Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Path. <laughs> hey everybody, it is Froth here, Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. Hope you're doing well. Thank you very much, as always, for listening. And we are back around again to Wednesday, aka Hump Day, for the Hump Day Bloggerama Show. So this is a weekly show where I'm just kind of chit-chatting about stuff that I spotted around the RPG blogosphere over the week. I flap my gums here on the podcast and talk about things a little bit. And then all the links that I talk about, I put up over at my blog, the Thought Eater blog. You can easily Google that or go to frothsofdnd.blogspot.com. You have all the links that I talked about to all these awesome blogs. Before we get started, a couple things I wanted to talk about. First of all, I wanted to thank, give profuse thanks uh, to folks that uh, messaged me here on Anchor, left comments around social media, sent me emails and everything about uh, congratulating me on 100 episodes of the Thought Eater podcast. I didn't want to torture anybody with a, you know, whatever, you know, 15 minutes of, or so or whatever of, uh, of folks complimenting froth. I don't know if anybody could stomach listening to that. <laughs> Whereas for me, you know, I know if I, if I'm having a, a glum day, you know, a gloomy day, I, I, I'll go straight onto the anchor app and, and play some of them back. People were very kind very encouraging, uh, and it meant a lot to me. So I want to thank folks for that. Second thing I wanted to mention is you, if you follow along with my, uh, night below session recaps on Sundays, you'll notice that there wasn't one this week. That was because a game kind of got canceled at the last minute. I had a couple people had to drop at the last second, which left us with just three players and, as they were about to enter the troll caverns, it was just going to be suicide. So we kind of, you know, uh, reason prevailed and we decided to just postpone. And I have to say, I had like a dark DM premonition about that game anyway, all week. I'd had this kind of just back of my head, like uh, it's TPK, TPK for all that's coming. <laughs> have a bat, you know? And, uh, I, I wished for those that did show up, I wish I had a back, something back, uh, like a backup game planned, you know, something we could have jumped into. And that's actually what I'm going to talk about on the five minute Friday. That kind of set my mind off being more prepared, having something, you know, prepared for online. If it was at the house or something, obviously you could break a bunch of things out. I know a lot of people bust out a board game or a card game or just another RPG in that situation, but, uh, online it's a little bit different. So I'm on, Talk about my thoughts on having like a backup game, something prepared for when a bunch, you know, if you have a lot of players that are missing, but still have something you can do for players that do show up. So hopefully you'll check that out on Friday. That's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to ramble about on Friday. So yeah, anyway, um, a couple things I wanted to mention during the intro here and let me get my. Let me get myself situated here to where I can talk about what I need to talk about. All right, first, this was mentioned on a bunch of different blogs, but I'm linking over to Scott Malthouse's blog um, uh, over at uh, the Trollish Delver blog, trollishdelver.com, and you'll find this link under the intro tab on uh, the post for this week. But uh, Rick Loomis of uh, Flying Buffalo Games... Uh, involved in releasing the uh, kind of seminal famed Grimtooth Trap books and a bunch of um, Tunnels and Trolls stuff for decades. Um, has been diagnosed uh, with cancer and has a GoFundMe going on. So you may have already heard about this and seen it going around and everything, but I wanted to draw some attention to it. You know, the the... Pioneers and, and folks have been involved. You know, we can't live forever, unfortunately. God, I'm, t I'm a total futurist about that stuff, though. I mean, inject me, put a chip in me, whatever. Give it to me. Because I'd love to live 200, whatever. I'm 
I'm down. Um, but it's, it's just a fact of life that, uh, you know, the gaming hobby is, 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 is not that old, but, um, and so as a result, you know, we're alive to see a lot of the folks, uh, you know, running into health problems and things like that as, as they age. And, um, uh, I know that Rick's work has meant a lot to a lot of people. So I wanted to highlight this and uh, point it out in case you missed it. It's uh, it's sad too that you know just to state I know a lot of people listen to um, my show that are not in the U.S. that are in other countries that have you know what I consider personally more highly evolved medical situations and um, in their countries. Um, here, I, I know a lot of people, I mean, I, I, my neighbor across the road, I saw him um, and, you know, looked looked bad. And he, he's been diagnosed with cancer, hadn't seen him while. He's a guy that was, you know, I don't know, if you have kids, every neighborhood's got the one guy during Halloween that, like, will kind of sit out there still like a dummy or whatever and the kids walk up and then he scares them or whatever he's just a fun loving guy been a really great guy and, and neighbor um since i moved in this house you know 10 years ago and hair has gone white and it's doing rough and so we're trying to like figure out what we can do to help him but i know he was on like commission sales with the job and what i'm getting at here is a lot of these jobs you know freelance writer or whatever you, you, it's unlikely you have health insurance and if you do it, it's not great health insurance um so for some of these folks that are getting older they're just been in the game industry all their life the chances are in many cases at least that they've got really crappy um, medical insurance that's going to incur a lot of bills so not to depress anybody today, but these are the kind of things where, um, if you have a few bucks or, or whatever you can do, there's uh, strength in numbers. It's a numbers game. You know, the more people that, at, that, that chip in can, uh, can assist people. And I've seen, you know, the gaming community do a lot of great things for a lot of people. So if you have it in your heart to support Mr. Loomis, you can do that. And uh, like I say, you'll see that at a, a lot of different places, but I linked to Scott's blog because I know how much Scott loves Tunnels and Trolls and has done a lot, you know, supporting and promoting the, the uh, scene over the years. So uh, the other thing under the intro tab that you'll see, the final topic last week, I was talking about Frylock's Gaming Geekery. He's an IP lawyer that was talking about uh, how he got a cease and desist letter from Wizards and was, uh, you know, not going to cease. And he wasn't going to desist either. <laughs> so, part two is up about that. Talking about the copyrightability of RPG abilities and spells. And it's another really interesting read. And this is all leading up to the part three, which is going to be about the open gaming license. So, if you were interested in that discussion last week and want to read part two about that i've got the link up under the intro section all right so everybody ready here we go and it's not going to be maps what yeah so i usually start with the maps but not today because there was just a lot of little news things that popped up over the last few days that uh, i found really interesting some is very specific to gaming some is just kind of you know, gaming related or probably of interest to a lot of gamers. And it just kept more and more things kept popping up to where I was finally just like, Oh man, I, I got to talk about this. I want to talk about this stuff first. The, the, the big thing gaming wise is that wizards has announced another source book. And, um, so they, you know, they recently announced the whole, uh, Avernus, you know, nine hells, adventure and uh now they are coming out with an actual eberron book you know they've done like an eberron pdf deal and then i know that uh keith baker that designed eberron did his own thing i forget the name of that but i know it's it's like on uh 
you know, you can get it on DM's Guild or whatever. More Graves Miscellany, I think is the name of it. But now there's an actual Eberron you know, source book, so that'll be the next kind of like an official setting. Uh, they didn't really do a big setting deal with uh, Ravenloft. They just had, you know, the, the adventure, so. And I gotta say, the, uh, the limited edition alternative cover looks really cool. The standard cover? That's gotta be the worst cover they've done. I don't know what I'm looking at. Some kind of you know, little weird little mouse creature and it just doesn't say Ebron to me. It's got just like a little Warforged. Looks like it's kind of photoshopped into the corner. Um, you could look at that and you wouldn't know anything about, you wouldn't get any kind of Ebron vibe. Um, but the alternative cover, on the other hand, really cool. Like Skyships and uh, I guess Sharn, City of Towers in the background. And uh, it looks really, really cool. So anyway, I just, I thought that cover, I was like, what am I looking at? That's a odd choice, you know, uh, I think something, you know, playing up the setting would have been a, a, maybe a better idea in my, my opinion, you know, something with a lightning rail or, or something like that. But, uh, you, you be the judge, you decide, but I put up posts, uh, from Polaroids and polar bears. They're talking about, you know, how it's going to have the artificer class in it. And, uh, it's got the, uh, you know, obviously the Warforged race will be in there. It says, in addition to the Artificer, there's going to be... Hush, dog. There's going to be 16 new race and sub-race options, which, if you've ever read some of these 5e books, hopefully those are going to be real options and not just fluff, but 16 new race, sub-race options, including the Warforged and Dragon Marks, which magically transform certain races from the player's handbook. A new D&D game element called the Group Patron, allowing you to develop a background for the entire party. Uh, swarms of horrific new monsters, and a whole lot more. So, Eberron, Rising from the Last War, will be the next book. And let's see if it says when... Yeah, November. So, anyway, I'm sure I'll pick that up. Never been too huge on Eberron. You know, I, I like it, but they never... Kind of, you know, it has, you know, everybody always talks about how it's got this noir vibe or whatever, but you never see that played up too much in the actual adventures and material that comes out for it. You know, give me a hard boiled, you know, fantasy detective story with these lightning rails and everything. Give me something, you know, that's what I'd like to see for it uh, to make it feel a little bit. You know, to make it live up to the promise, is I guess, I guess what I'm saying. But then I also put up a post from sageadvice.eu uh, that will usually kind of aggregate questions and responses with the uh, D&D designers and developers on Twitter and elsewhere. And so there are some a brief Q&A here. I hesitate, I shouldn't even call it a Q&A. A couple of questions about the book, including an adventure. And it is confirmed that there will be a chapter on uh, nearly 100 pages on building adventures in Corvair. And that, that chapter includes a first level adventure in Sharn. So there will be uh, an adventure included in the setting book, which I think is a good idea as well. I think uh, setting in core books, having an intro adventure is always a good thing. So it's good to see them doing that. More news that came out. First of all... Uh, I know I talked some about superheroes and stuff here, and it looks like Marvel and Sony. Uh, this is over from Geek Tyrant, a couple of things. Uh, GeekTyrant.com. Um, Marvel and, I mean, Sony and Disney couldn't come to some kind of agreement on Spider-Man, so Spider-Man's going to, as quickly as he swung into the Marvel Universe, is going to be swinging right out, which is a real shame, because those are the best. Um, I like that first Spider-Man that Sam Raimi did, but... And I guess I liked part two as well. Part two, I guess, was the one with Dr. Octopus. That was pretty good. But um, I thought they did a real good job bringing Spider-Man in with the other Marvel movies. Um, and uh, it's a shame. And it, they, to me, it's kind of, it's like first world problems kind of thing where, you know, they made like a billion dollars and they're kind of, you know, how can you not come up with some way to keep it together when you're making that kind of cash? But I guess... Uh, Maybe Sony figures they can do better without it, or I don't know. Uh, but if you want to read about why that happened and everything, you can check that out. So that's kind of like some 
some potentially bad news, but then some good news. There's going to be a Matrix 4. And I know I'm talking about pop culture and stuff here, but a lot of these are, are things that I know gamers are into. You know, Matrix, especially that first one, had uh, a lot of gameable uh, material, kind of conspiracy, cyberpunk, and um, alt-reality and everything that's uh, very gameable. And those are iconic movies. Um, even the later ones that even when the story got kind of convoluted, the action sequences were good. And I enjoy Keanu Reeves quite a bit. So Keanu Reeves is going to be back along with Carrie Ann Moss for a Matrix 4. So that, that sounded pretty cool. And then keeping it up, I loved me some He-Man when I was little. And now there's going to be a He-Man revival. And I'm guessing this is going to be on maybe Netflix or... Hopefully Netflix. Uh, I think I saw elsewhere that it was net. Yeah, it is Netflix. Um, cool looking poster. Back to Eternia, and it's uh, Kevin Smith doing this. So I've liked some of Kevin Smith stuff, not liked some of it. Um, so, but uh, I mean, I'm sure he's a fan. So, um, and it's just cool. We'll see. It says that uh. So, Radical Return to Eternia, a direct sequel series to the classic era of the Masters of the Universe, featuring fan favorites He-Man, Orko, Cringer, and Man-at-Arms. The story pits our heroic characters and guardians of Castle Grayskull against Skeletor, Evil Inn, Beastman, and the vile legions of Snake Mountain. So, I grew up, uh, I had a bunch of He-Man stuff when I was little. I had Castle Grayskull, I had... I forget what they called the one where was it Ram just Ram Man? I don't know what they called them, but you know they had one where you could squish it down and then it popped up, you know. But uh, so yeah, He Man, more stuff for us old folks to to reminisce and watch about. And speaking of stuff from my youth, uh, the Dark Crystal, the new Dark Crystal show is getting ready to drop on Netflix. In fact, just about a week from now, August thirtieth. And now that's a great movie. I, I saw that one at the theater and love that. And uh, that's another kind of rich gaming uh, kind of setting and storyline. And uh, um, it's funny. I, I've got that on DVD. I've, I've got it's just a cheapo DVD that I've got. It's got that on one side and Labyrinth on the other. And I tried showing them my daughter, and she she liked Labyrinth. Uh, but Dark Crystal, you know, she wasn't having it, you know, where it's like sucking the essence, you know, <laughs> where it's like sucking the essence out of the little guys. She just wasn't having that. Um, and I remember that, that was kind of, you know, even when I was younger, wasn't, I couldn't watch it, but it was just a little rough, you know, and it's like, you know, sucking the essence, <laughs> making myself laugh a little bit. But, uh, yeah, so definitely watching that. It looks, uh, the special effects and everything look incredible. And I wouldn't be surprised if you saw some Dark Crystal uh, gaming stuff, you know, coming around, whether it's homebrew or even official. Is, uh, I know there's a Labyrinth thing getting ready to come out. And uh, as this kind of wave of nostalgia, fantasy keeps coming out, uh, you're, you're bound to see it get tied into some RPG stuff. So, and then finally on the news front, a lot more pop culture news. And I don't expect this to be a regular thing I do because this was just because I saw so many things and I was like, ah, I feel like talking about that. I feel like remarking on it. Uh, but this is, uh, so those two things, the, uh, uh, the master of the universe and the dark crystal, I linked over to the hero press blog for that hero press blogspot.com. And then over at, uh, cbr.com. Um, this is where I saw about the new James Bond and I've talked before about how much I love James Bond. Um, did a whole top three Tuesday about it and everything. And now the, uh, the new Bond, Bond 25, the 25th Bond movie. That's incredible to think there's 25. That's incredible. I wonder if I could name them all. I bet you I could. Should I try it now? I don't want to try right now because it might be some classic froth dead air <laughs> dead air silence if i start to do it but anyway they've got the new one and it's called no time to die that is the name for it and uh let's see it's got uh, a bunch of actors in there it's got rami Ma Ma um malek or malik 
that played Freddie Mercury recently. I'm wondering if uh, that's going to be the bad guy. But it says, uh, here's the plot. In No Time to Die, Bond has left active service and is enjoying a tranquil life in Jamaica. His peace is short-lived when his old friend Felix Leiter from the CIA turns up asking for help. The mission, the mission to rescue a kidnapped scientist turns out to be far more treacherous than expected, leading Bond onto the trail of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology. So that sounds pretty cool to me. Obviously going to be watching that. So yeah, the new Bond is called No Time to Die. Alright, so now we're getting into the maps. And I'm going over to Wayne's books. Wayne does a lot with... Uh, his, if you're looking for some hard-to-find stuff, rare stuff, you can go over to Wayne's books and probably find it. And uh, Wayne also has a blog and will you know, occasionally post some stuff. And um, So Wayne put up a, an Im a couple of images from the Eastern Countries Trail Map from 1989, the D&D Known World setting. So this is like the Mastara-type stuff that was done... Uh, <laughs> Well, the, the image is of Wayne holding up the unfolded map, and it's huge. It's, you know, probably about five feet tall, 36 inches by 57 inches, almost five foot tall, and uh, holding it up. And it, it reminded me of the old days, you know, of having maps in your car, you know, before MapQuest and uh, Google Maps and all this stuff, or uh, um, having... Uh, what do they call them? Um, oh my gosh. I'm getting old. GPS. You know, I remember before I even had, you know, before I had a, you know, smartphones and all that, you know, first, first thing was printing out MapQuest. And then it was, uh, this clunky GPS thing I had. And, uh, but anyway, uh, just reminded me of the real old days of, you know, unfolding the map in the car because it's made to kind of look like that. It unfolds that way like a pamphlet. So I never had this deal. I'd grab one if I could find it reasonably priced, uh, stick it with some Mastara stuff. But um, so I thought this was cool. If you'd never, if you had just seen like pictures of this advertised and wanted to actually get a bunch of different pictures of what it actually looks like unfolded and everything. The Eastern Countries Trail Map over at waynesbooks.games. Then over uh, checking in on Dyson Logos over at dysonlogos.blog. They're getting close to being done with their return to Dyson's Delve posts. And this is uh, one of the first things I was aware of from Dyson. Uh, I guess it was Dyson's dodecahedron or like a zine where Dyson had these, the Dyson's Delve levels, you know, as a free download. And, and since then, I bought the Dyson Delves books that you can find on, on Lulu that are reasonably priced and really cool. Like half of them are like statted out adventures and then the other half are just like maps that you can kind of create your own adventures with and write in the books and everything. But they were pretty early and, uh, you know, they looked amazing then, but then now you see what Dyson's kind of evolved to. And then you look back at them and you can kind of see that they were, you know, I guess it's kind of like looking at like an old, old Garfields or, uh, um, you know, looking at somebody's first work after you're, you know, you've been following them for a long time. You don't realize how much it's evolved. So it's not like they were bad or anything, but Dyson's been tightening up the maps and re-releasing them. Uh, so He's up to levels 9 and 10 on the return to Dyson's Delve, so I think there's just one more. So I put up just kind of like a little image of uh, how these are looking. I'm going to, you know, I'm keep downloading all these so that I can have it that I can just stick in my Dyson folder along with the, the old original Delve. But if you're a backer on the Patreon, Dyson's going to put this together as a, as a release. Uh, a new Dyson's Delve release. So that's that's definitely something worth checking out. So if you're interested in what I'm rambling about, you go over to DysonLogos.blog and check that out. And then over at uh, RustMonsterAteMySword.com. Uh, let's see if I've got a name here. I don't have a name. Uh, bloggers acting weird. Of course, the timing's terrible right as I'm doing this. So a lot of people's images aren't showing up. I'm having the same problem for me. And I'm getting like security... It may be from my VPN or something. I'm getting security warnings for Blogger, so classic Google. But anyway, at uh, at a Rust Monster Ate My Sword, the Rust Monster Ate My Sword blog, 
there's a post from the vault, Dragon Peak, and saying, here's another dungeon. I use the term loosely here from the 90s. Uh, and so this was when they were running Be uh, Back Me and Warhammer Quest of uh, a Dragon's Lair, and it's their own personal map from, you know, 20-some-odd years ago that they were using for an adventure. And I just thought this was cool. I love seeing people's actual maps that they used in their own games and everything. And they, these are uh, quite neat. So I thought you might want to check that out as well. Moving right along, <clears throat> go over some reviews that I spotted. Starting over at rollingboxcars.com, Dan Stack over there did a review of the new RuneQuest, newish RuneQuest, RuneQuest role-playing in Glorantha. Looks like they overall liked it, but they feel it would be well-served with a, uh, like a starter set box, which uh, I probably would tend to agree after reading this, because unless you know a lot about that setting, you know, you could probably get overwhelmed pretty quickly. I mean, there's decades and decades of lore that's been building on itself, but uh, if you want to read about the mechanics about that and what that new RuneQuest is looking like, check it out. I was very excited to get over to CannibalHalflingGaming.com and read about Eclipse Phase 2nd Edition that just dropped. This is one of those games, uh, I did a top three Tuesday once on uh, top three games that I've got that I want to play that I've never played, and Eclipse Phase was up there. Very cool game. Um, and now there's a second edition that I have to buy, and probably it will sit on my shelf, and I will just want to run it, but uh, never get a chance, or, you know, who knows. But, you know... I'm happy to buy it and let it sit on the shelf <laughs> because it looks it looks awesome. So Aaron Marks wrote this review, detailed review of Eclipse Phase 2nd Edition, if you want to check that out. Then over at Sheep and Sorcery, this is Michael Kennedy's blog, did a review of several new zines that have come out recently. Uh, one, uh, Through Alton's Door Number 2, I got a copy of it, it's fantastic. Um, and then several new, uh, newish... DCC zines, Phantasmagoria, number one, Terror of the Stratosphere, number one, and Ghostlike Crime, number one. So if you're a DCC fan or just love zines, you'll want to go over to sheepandsorcery.blogspot.com and read about those. There's an interesting post over the Indie Game Reading Club, indiegamereadingclub.com, about Invisible Sun. You know, Invisible Sun is this, you know... You could call it a boutique game, I guess, like 250 bucks. Uh, Monty Cook game, uh, huge box set, um, some unusual, you know, high, very high production values, and some unusual kind of concepts included in it, including kind of playing away from the table, kind of outside the, the main game session, uh, the game continuing, and stuff like that. It was intriguing to me, but you know, you never read much about it because, you know, overall you know probably due to the price tag uh, you know there there's not so many people playing it i mean granted a lot of people bought it but as far as this ever being something that kind of permeates the culture uh I doubt that will ever happen so if you've been interested as i have been in the actual mechanics and in detail of uh, of how it works some um there's some information about invisible sun over there at indie game reading club and let's see if there's a name for who wrote this Paul Bleakley, Paul Beakley over there. Check that out. And then Spitting Image at the Late Night Zen blog, latenightzen.blogspot.com. Put up a post, fascinating OSR material, just a kind of a celebration and talking about a lot of the stuff that Spitting Image likes, various um, uh, OSR products. And now a lot of these uh, I had never even heard of, and I try to keep up with some of this stuff, but... Um, some of it I've never heard of at all, like the gustatory. And it looks like some of this is just stuff on people's blogs. So there's links to people's blogs here. Settings developed through blog posts. Cool mini rule sets. Adventures and otherwise uh, that they like from the OSR. And uh, again, a lot of it I've never heard of. Like uh, here's one, the Boss Switch Bathhouse. You can just download that for free off Google Drive. So uh go over if you if you're into old school gaming you'll want to go over to late night zen and check out this fascinating osr material post from spinning image follow some of the links and you might uh, find some some hidden osr gems that you were unaware of and now a word from our sponsors all right you know what that sound means it means we're going to roll on some random tables and this first one's i'm not going to roll on this is just a cool 
article or post rather over at Rand Roll, a blog on random tools and tables, randroll.com. Duncan Thompson over here posted Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay Generator's Guide. And what this is, is it's a collection of a bunch of different um, links uh, for generators and random tables that uh, Duncan feels might be help helpful if you're running Warhammer. So um, it's got like name generators, uh, NPCs, character motivations. Uh, I mean, it's on and on. Stuff for forest descriptions, road encounters, forest encounters. Medieval fantasy city generators, merchants, crowds, holidays, um, Warhammer fantasy tables in PDF format um, from the second edition era, other stuff. I mean, it's on and on and on. So great, great resource, really not just for Warhammer, for a number of fantasy games. So that's one to definitely go look at if you're into random tables over at randroll.com, Warhammer fantasy roleplay generators guide. Let's go over to Eldritch Fields. This is Tomas Kisbali. I've gone over here before and I uh, recognize this red background anywhere. And they've got D8 spider mutations. Uh, useful, horrible, but kind of useful mutations you can get from being bitten by a giant arachnid. So let's see what I get here. Your teeth fall out and mandibles burst forth from your mouth. Your bite now does D4 damage, but you cannot eat solid foods. <laughs> so <laughs> that'd be cool. I can see that working for some of my characters. So D8 spider mutations over eldritchfields.blogspot.com. Lester's Ramble. Lester'sRamble.blogspot.com. Uh, Lost Home 7, Oddball Spellbooks, D12 Crap Spellbooks. Some of these could be awesome for your mage to find, but most are simply white elephants. Have fun. Well, let's see. D12. Okay. Uh, scroll that magically lengthens to allow inscription of any new spell. Never runs out of parchment. Oh, that ended up being a pretty good one. This has got some cool pictures, too. Uh, yeah, here's one that's not so great. Shells strung on thongs, the spells glowing iridescent within the mother of pearl, and it's very rattly. So yeah, some oddball spell books over there. Good stuff at Lester's Rambles. That's Vance A's blog. And then sexually transmitted centipedes. Now that's, that's a heck of a, <laughs> that's a heck of a header. Sexually transmitted centipedes.blogspot.com. Tamper Dan the Dirt Merchant. Saw this one today. You'll inevitably encounter Tamper Dan trudging down the road with uh, Tamper Dan's meager wagon and his aging mule, Albert. And Tamper Dan is literally a dirt merchant. So if given an opportunity, Dan will gladly stop and show you his wares, uh, dressed in ill fitting pantaloons uh, and uh, each in a different color, like. Uh, Pantaloons with patches, each in a different color, like a rundown circus tent, and a brown leather vest that shows off an ample and sagging gut. So I've got a really good mental image now of Tamper Dan, the dirt merchant. Let's see what Tamper Dan's got for sale. This looks like D20 table. All right, so night soil, allegedly from the Queen's chamber pot. Of no apparent use, is Dan just a scatological pervert? <laughs> Uh, what else, what other dirt does old Dan have for sale? Uh, dirt from beneath the gallows. A guilty man cannot bear the weight of it in his hand. So this is interesting. Uh, interesting post. It's got some humor to it. And, uh, so Tamper Dan, the dirt merchant over at Sexually Transmitted Centipedes. That's Chuffer's blog. I gotta check out some more stuff from Chuffer. I, I like the, I like the cut of Chuffer's jib. Anyway, that's the random tables for today. <laughs> All right, over here at the Thought Eater Podcast, we love our free stuff, and we got some good free stuff this week. First of all, there's the free, uh, the new uh, Unearthed Arcana deal from Wizards. They put up a new free PDF. I'm linking over to Geek Native for this, geeknative.com. Uh, they talk a little bit about it. There's a uh, Barbarian Path, Path of the Wild Soul, and a new Monk. I really like the 5e Monk. Actually, I, I, I like monks in general. That's one of my favorite character classes. Even the old crappy one. I, I just like monks. I like the flavor. 
So there's a new way of the astral self for the 5e monk over there. If you want to check that out, download it. Something I thought I'd mention. I know it seems like I probably talk about some of the same blogs a lot, and that's because I do. And but there's a reason I do. I'm following over. It's like something like 818 blogs now. Not all of them are are active, but I've got that many on the the read or die blog roll at this point. But you know, part of the reason I end up talking about you'll hear some of the same names so frequently is because. Um, some of these bloggers, you know, just post a lot more than other people. And this is a weekly show. So, um, for example, like Chris Tam over at Elf Maids and Octopi might post, you know, like four times a week. Whereas some of the other blogs, you know, they might post once, you know, once a month maybe, or once every couple months. So, you know, you're going to hear some of the same names just, uh, partially because they just post frequently. And then I try to pick out stuff that, you know, sometimes some posts are, it's not that they're, you know, anybody doing anything, making any effort to put out a blog post to me is cool. Um, it's just some fit, you know, this kind of discussion format or whatever, a little bit better than others. Um, it's like sometimes somebody will just post like one single magic item or, you know, um, some fiction and stuff like that where it's totally cool. It's just not so cool to hear Froth talk about it. So anyway, I meant to mention that earlier. If, if people were wondering about the, the, uh, procedure, <laughs> It goes into this. <laughs> yeah. We're wondering about froth standards and, and my planning and all that, right? But uh, anyway, back to the free stuff. Polyhedralnonsense.wordpress.com. I believe they've been putting up some uh, uh, several different character sheets over the last few weeks. And here you've got some links to some white box OSR sheets. So these are um, not for a Swords and Risery white box, but for that other white box thing that came out. I know it gets a little confusing. There's a lot of redundant kind of clones out there. But you could use this, obviously, for um, Swords and Risery white box or any just kind of OD&D clone. It should fit fine. Some of these are by James V. West. Uh, kind of hand-drawn look. Really cool. So you can go over to Polyhedral Nonsense. Check out those white box OSR fillable character sheets. Then over at the Swords and Stitchery blog... Uh, they link to the Phenomicon X Cultus from Wedge the Halfling Under the Door for old school campaigns. So, uh, don't know much about this. I've downloaded it, but didn't look at, look at it. But, uh, looks like, uh, Needles is talking about this over there. Um, the premise behind the Phenomicon X Cultus is simple. It's a table of a hundred gods, goddesses, and powers. To provide a system of small religions as a springboard for use in your role-playing games. So this will be kind of a, a cult and religion-themed download for you. Free PDF. You can check it out over at the Swords and Stitchery blog. Then over to the Roll Sanity blog. Rollsanity.com. Soren over there has got a two-page character sheet for Lamentations of the Flame Princess. Looks really cool. It's got like a pentagram and a goat head on it. So it's definitely kind of fitting with the setting. So if you want to check out this uh, character sheet for Lamentations, go to Roll Sanity and download that for free. Then at the Dark Occultus Gambit blog, motor, oh no, no, sorry, this is the Motocrosh blog, M-O-T-T-O-K-R-O-S-H.com. And then the title is Dark Occultus Gambit. This is a one-page adventure, really nice. I wonder if this was for the... Uh, it doesn't mention if they put it in for the contest, but this would have been great for the one-page dungeon contest. It's a one-shot murder mystery adventure, one-page PDF. Really like the mapping and the layout on this. You can download that for free over at motocrosh.com, so check that out. And then finally on the free front, over at Melancholies and Mirth. Melancholiesandmirth.blogspot.com. This is Lung Fungus's blog. Lung Fungus. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs> uh, so yeah lung fungus has dropped two dungeons on you lair of the old sorcerer and the ancient winery and so these are two pdfs that you can download for free from google drive one is a 20 room dungeon uh and one is a 60 room three floor dungeon with factions etc so you can check this out download two free dungeons there over at melancholies and mirth you know, it seemed like maybe I probably missed a lot this week. I was following along the blogs as best as I could, but, you know, take your eye off it for six hours and you're bound to miss something. That's how many blogs I'm following. I know that sounds a little maybe 
deranged. I don't know. <laughs> but I just like doing this show and sharing stuff and making a record of all this stuff. So I probably, you know, maybe, you know, missed a lot of cool free stuff. But this is what I was able to catch. So check it out. All right, straight into the miscellaneous stuff. I'm going over to josephbrowning.blogspot.com, the sorcery and super science blog. They put up a post, uh, it's just an image, the most badass adventuring party ever. And it's the Golden Girls uh, kind of photoshopped into a Trampier um, image. Um, I can't remember if this was from the DMG or the PHB. May, may have even been the Monster Manual, one of the original 1E. It all blends together a little bit for me, but I've got the image up on the Thought Eater blog, and so it's funny to see the Golden Girls there in the Trampier drawing. At least I found it amusing. Then at Ancient Far Future, ancientfarfuture.blogspot.com, they put up a cool post, Hirelings and Henchmen for Traveler. And this was just an interesting read if you want to see how they incorporated kind of the classic idea of henchmen and hirelings, you know, from D&D and, and bring them into uh, to Traveler. So I thought that was cool. If you're a Traveler fan, you can go check that out. There was another at DM, DMurgy at wizarg.blogspot.com. W-I-Z-Z-Z-A-R-G-H.blogspot.com. And you, saw, you thought frostsoftdnd.blogspot.com was hard to remember. But this is Wizarg's blog. And they did a post, Beetles of Unusual Size. It's kind of a little love letter to giant beetles. The different varieties in the Monster Manual and Monster Manual 2 from back in the day. And they also added a, a, a new beetle type as well as a beetle folk race and class. So if, you don't, if, you, if you're like uh, Wizarg and says, you know, who says, I haven't heard much use of giant beetles. There's the beloved fire beetle. But, um, you know, you want to give some love to... <laughs> I felt like a parody of myself there for a minute. Uh, if you want to give some love to some Beatles, go to wizog.blogspot.com and check that out. Oh, man. All right, so then wanderinggamist.blogspot.com. I've, I've talked about this blog before because they incorporate their own experience. John over here incorporates their own experience, you know, hiking and the outdoors and stuff, and then kind of applies it to gaming. And um, so you may have heard me talk about um, their their stuff before, but they have two posts, hike notes on Mount Fuji, uh, part one, a climb report, and then part two, gaming reflections. So they're talking about time and distance and forging and hypoxia and how combat would work and stuff in these settings. And it, it's really interesting, uh, very gameable stuff. Um, if you like to kind of have the environment and uh, kind of realism of a setting kind of come into your game, but to come into it in a way where it's not such a pain to track or, you know, where, you know, in a fun way, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, I really like, um, what John does over there at the wandering game .com blog. So check out those two posts on the hike notes on Mount, uh, at Mount Fuji. And, uh, let's see, Tim Brannon over at the other side comes up quite a bit. Tim's one that, uh, frequently blogs and I frequently enjoy what Tim's doing. Put up one OMG Cthulhu mythos. And this is talking a little bit about the old deities and demigods. You know, how the original printings had, um, the Cthulhu stuff in there and got cut out later. And, um, it's got uh, a quote from Jim Ward talking about what happened and, um, because it's kind of been, there's been mixed, um, what would you say? There's been uh, con contradictory, you know, things said about it over the years. In fact, some of that even shows up in the uh, the comments. You know, Gygax's comments about it don't match up with what Jim Ward said here recently. Uh, here's what, it, here's what uh, Jim Ward uh, has to say about it. Deities and demigods. I'm going to print this out once a year for the rest of my years. I absolutely hate it when ignorant people say that TSR slash me acted in copyright infringement for the Melnibonian and Lovecraft sections of the book. Uh, when I was given the assignment for that book, I listed the various pantheons I wanted to use. Gary noted that maybe the Lovecraft and Elric sections might be a problem. 
He gave me the Arkham House and Michael Moorcock addresses, and I wrote them explaining what I was doing and asking for permission to include the material. Says he got back two letters giving him permission to use the work. Foolishly gave these two letters to the lawyers at TSR. They might still be in some lost file at Wizards. I would kill for them now, he says. Anyway, we printed up the book. It sold great. Then we got a cease and desist letter from Chaosium. I don't blame them a bit, but they didn't know about the two letters. TSR could have won a court case hands down. However, the company wasn't rich at that point, and Brian Bloom didn't want to go to California, get a lawyer, and spend time and money winning the case. So anyway, kind of saying that it was not a copyright violation, which was one of the stories that I I have heard. It was that they just printed it and didn't even try to get the uh, permission or whatever. So anyway... For those of you out there, um, if you're like me and you like knowing about the trivia and kind of history of uh, how things happen in the games, interesting post to go over and read there over at the other side.timsbrannon.com. And finally, an interesting discussion at Delta's D&D Hotspot. Uh, this is called On Starting as Heroes. And it's talking about, it says, Delta says they're playing devil's advocate at short arguments for starting PCs at around third or fourth level. And now this is something that I, I was tempted to use for the final topic because I, I do see some people get pretty, not heated, but but pretty passionate, I guess, about this. Like a lot of people say, you yeah, know, first level, and if you die, you start again at first level, and they're just, I mean, they're immovable uh, Im, um, immovable on that that opinion. You know, it's first level or nothing. Whereas for me, I just feel like, I've said this before, but I feel like you're going to miss out on a lot of modules if, if, if that's the way you're going to do it. Because it's like, uh, yeah, okay, well, are you ever going to get to play Isle of the Ape? You know, probably not. I think you should just run what you want to run. And if that requires, you know, having some pre-gens or starting at a higher level, go for it. I got no problem with it. But interesting discussion. Deltas is one of those blogs that still gets a lot of comments. There's something like 50, over 50 um comments on this and i see a few legendary anchorites lurking in there as well but uh check it out see what you think personally i got no problem with it starting at higher level in fact with my game now you know i've said sometimes i repeat myself but i know not everybody listens to everything i do so uh in my current game you know it builds up it's supposed to build up to like 10th level or, or so um through the night below campaign and if i just started everybody i mean we I'm not a, you know, cruel GM, but we we definitely have, you know, our fair share of deaths. And if everybody had to start over at first level, we'd never finish the thing. It would just never happen. So um, I usually start them back at, I look at the average level and start them back at one under. And they catch up, you know, relatively quickly. And some would argue you're going to catch up relatively quickly anyway, starting at first. But uh, for me, I'd rather, I like there to be a little bit of a penalty kind of quote unquote deal going on. But um, I do want them to level up so they can face greater challenges. Otherwise, it really uh, just kind of drags the game out a little bit. Now, for some other games, uh, it depends on what your goal of the game is, I guess, really. Um, But you know, like I said, if you, if you have to start at first level every time, if you're, you know, if that is, uh, you know, a, a written in stone kind of rule for you, you're going to miss out on a lot of, a lot of modules, but maybe you don't care. Maybe you don't even use modules. Who knows? Anyway, those were the miscellaneous topics today. All right. So for the final topic, I'm taking a look at this sword dream phenomenon here. These folks, um, OSR and otherwise, um, that have started this kind of new idea, call it a, a movement or an OSR splinter group or, or whatever label of sword dream. And you may have seen this floating around on the internet. There's certainly been a lot of pro and anti sword dream commentary coming from uh, a variety of different folks. I've seen it on videos. I've seen it on blogs. I've heard it on podcasts and everything else. And how you perceive sword dream is probably going to largely depend on, uh, in some ways how you perceive the OSR, because there are a lot of folks, you know, I think everyone agrees that in any large fandom, you're going to have some small amount of people that everyone is going to pretty universally decry as, uh, 
I don't like to use profanity on this show. <laughs> jerks, okay? People that everyone kind of agrees are jerks. And for some folks, that has given the OSR kind of a, a bad name. Everyone is kind of lumped in. Uh, now, sometimes this gets really extreme where I don't agree with it at all. I saw someone say the only reason people like old games is because they want to go back to old days where women were treated bad and 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 this kind of thing, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Um, at the same time, I think it's disingenuous when some folks will pretend that the OSR is this completely inclusive, wholesome, you know, land of 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 uh, um, uh, brotherly love or whatever, you know. When you know, not five minutes later, they're you know criticizing people in sword dreams appearance or something like that. So there's there's a lot of hypocrisy there too. Um, I think the reality is there is, you know, by virtue of some people's behavior, there is a um, amongst um, the RPG world in general amongst a goodly portion of those people, there is a negative uh, perception that is kind of festered uh, of the OSR. And, and there were times, God knows I was guilty of it, where people were obviously jerks, where people were um, continually treating other people bad. And uh, I know that myself and others could have done a lot more to have said something or stood up to that. And <clears throat> for one thing, you know, when I think back to some of that, I honestly feel a little bit of a sense of shame uh, about that. Um, you know, there was a time when I was younger in high school and uh, there was a fight that I could have prevented from happening. But there was so much momentum for this thing to happen and there was such an expectation from so many people of this thing happening that I did not have the courage to prevent it from happening. And as I've gotten older, I've actually allowed myself, you know, several times over the years to fantasize about what things would be like had I done something different, had I made some effort to prevent that from happening. <clears throat> so, you know, here's froth fantasizing about having courage to do something correct. And then years later, um, online with some of this stuff, I had plenty of opportunity to have done something. And of course did did nothing, uh, allowed things to continue. And even just, you know, selfishly or however you want to look at it, just, uh, avoided or, or ducked having contact with certain people, you know, so I wouldn't, you know, get drawn into it rather than, you know, doing the right thing and calling people out for when their behavior is, you know, completely over the line. Now, I'm not talking about having different thoughts or beliefs. We all have different beliefs. God knows a lot of my beliefs are way the hell out there, you know, way the hell out there. I mean, <laughs> so that that's to be expected, but there's certain a level of uh, a level of decency that I think people should expect and that's you know what you should have in any kind of civilized civil society but I'm getting off the topic here anyway you know none of these people need froth to speak for them and no matter what your perspective has been based on what you've heard or, or read or, or what have you there was an interesting post at technicalgrimoire.com. David Sheridan posted Sword Dream Community Interviews. So what you have here is interviews with folks involved in it, people that are involved in the Hydra Cooperative. Uh, you got Cave Girl, Emmy Allen on here. Uh, and you can hear in their own uh, words, you know, what they think about the OSR and what their thought process was behind it. Now, you know... I think for a lot of people, they bristle, you know, it seems like a lot, you know, what I've read is some people bristle at Sword Dream because they feel like they're getting unfairly uh, lumped in with some bad, you know, bad actors or whatever. And, uh, and, and so they, they lash out a little bit at it. Um, 
<clears throat> on the other side, I think there is, uh, it is unfair to generalize about such a huge amount of people and uh, say that everybody in the OSR is somehow some, uh, you know, bigoted uh, Cro-Magnon Neanderthal dragging their knuckles on the ground. I mean, it would be kind of like any fandom. Like, I, I'll give you another great example. I'm a huge Georgia Bulldogs fan. Since my granddad took me to see Herschel play, I bled red and black, went to UGA, live here in Athens. Uh, that's the one thing that'll pull me away from a gaming table on a Saturday is if Georgia's playing that night, I'm not running a game. I'm, I'm on the TV, but, uh, as much as I love Georgia, there are some fans that are just completely toxic and terrible, you know, but that doesn't make everybody that way. You know what I mean? Hopefully the creative side of people and, uh, that creative human side of people will some point kind of gradually outweigh and overwhelm the differences and the um the need to to cut each other down and that kind of thing that you sometimes see but i don't know but i think that uh, like i said if you want to see people's own words what they have to say about it whether you're curious if you're curious about that i put that post up and then I also put up uh, this uh, thing from itch.io. One thing I love about this itch.io format um, uh, method of de uh, product delivery is these jams you see. Like last week when I was talking about the goon jam uh, for uh, Nate Trem's tunnel goons. Well, uh, the, the sword dream people did the dream jam over there and there's something like 50, maybe more submissions over here. And, uh, a lot of them are where you can download them for free and, uh, and everything. And so there's a lot of creative stuff here. I haven't even looked at all of it. Uh, one that looks cool, Project Epcot, building a better world for all our valued customers. It looks like some twisted Epcot thing, but lots of cool stuff. So if you want to see what the kind of, you know, folks that, uh, kind of identify with a sword dream, um, uh, what would you call it? Kind of maybe not splinter group. I don't know. Splinter group with this label, people that identify with this label are creating and go over to dream jam and download a lot of it for free. But anyway, hopefully I did an okay job of covering that and explaining it. Um, I know for myself, it, for me, old school gaming, it couldn't be anything. You know, what, what some people would say, yeah, it couldn't be any for, you know, couldn't be further from the truth for me um the nostalgia and the love of, uh, i think that's a, a good thing a pure thing i don't think uh you can tie in um having great memories of stuff you did when you were little with uh what was going on you know what was socially acceptable uh necessarily socially acceptable at those times and then i also think that um when people are, are doing something in an effort to promote inclusivity and, uh, and, you know, and, and, and positive things like that, uh, I don't think that, uh, the right response is to, to make fun of them, make fun of their appearance and be, and cut on them. So, you know, um, that's the froth perspective. <laughs> oh, Lordy. I gave it all I got, Captain. That's all I got. That's all I got. Hopefully I did an all right job expressing myself, you know. Hopefully, I, I, I guess for long-time listeners, uh, y'all know where my heart is on things, I hope. Um, so hopefully I did an all right job. Uh, and if I didn't, say la vie. Anyway, lots of good stuff to check out this week. So thank you to the bloggers. Thank you to the folks that are putting out this creative stream of awesomeness week after week giving me something to talk about thanks again to folks for uh reaching out to me about the 100 episodes uh, that little milestone there hopefully many hundred more coming your way like i said on friday i'm gonna just talk a little bit on five minute friday about having backup games uh when uh something goes wrong or people don't show up or, or for whatever reason and what i'm doing to uh, develop some backup game options for for my campaign we should be, everybody's telling me they were on for Saturday, so Sunday there should be another uh, 
Night Below session recap. We will see what happens as they finally venture into the dreaded Troll Caverns. Anyway, huge thank you to folks backing me on Patreon. I appreciate y'all tremendously. Your support means a lot. Thank you very much. If anybody else is interesting, interested in supporting what I do for a dollar a month, it's patreon.com forward slash thought eater. Otherwise, you can message me on the Anchor app, email me at frothsoft at gmail.com, check out the blog. It's got all these links, and it's got links to take you to, to back, um, you know, back uh, posts about uh, old hump day blogoramas, and you know, this stuff never gets old. So check it out at frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com. Hope you have a great rest of the week. We got over the hump. Logan, do it. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade Zeroing in on your mental trade Gonna help you escape from the grind Thought eater gonna blow your mind